the foretaste and signpost of the coming kingdom is us living today as God's ambassadors for his glory. So I just love how these promises come to pass through Jesus. And we see that the goal is that you have a new heart. Welcome to episode nine of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. The number nine isn't necessarily symbolic in the Bible, but it certainly is in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and I have to make that shout out because, first of all, I love numbers and I love symbolic numbers. And I want to tie back a verse we mentioned in episode eight is Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. And I think of that as like the ring race. There's nine ring wraiths, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's nine fellowships. So if you want to look a J.R.R. Tolkien connection, uh, we have to be fellowshipping together in the Lord to overcome the world represented by the ring race. There we go. So there's a Lord of the Rings <laughs> shout out. Paul Cravens, our sound engineer, was wondering why I wasn't bringing him more Lord of the Rings. But there you go for today to kick off episode nine. Also <laughs> alliteration. Uh, Brent and I both love the English language as Paul does as a musician. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about, by the way, my name is Paul. There's a one P. We're going to talk about patriarchs, prophets, promises, people, presence, and place. So there's a nice <laughs> rundown of alliteration. And now a B word is Brent. He is also a P word, a pastor. So Pastor Brent Coplin <laughs> is our, our main person today, our, or should I say the meat of the podcast. Brent, give us a deeper dive today on the new birth of spiritual formation. Yeah, thank you. I <laughs> uh, love that. Uh, and I too love the Lord of the Rings references. So wonderful. Um, let me review a little bit of where we've been. Um, we, in the last couple episodes, have kind of gone a little deeper dive here on the biblical story, and especially focusing on, uh, as we described earlier, uh, the, the theme of God's people in God's place, under God's rule, in God's holy and loving presence. And that sentence really being a way of capturing um, the story, the salvation story of the scriptures, what is God doing in his redemptive work, uh, you know, through uh, the Old Testament scriptures and ultimately leading to Jesus and climax in Jesus as he dies and lives, dies and rises again, that God is forming a people to be in his place under his rule in his presence. And uh, so that that promise was really begun in the patriarchs and in the, in the Pentateuch. Um, as we looked at those early chapters of or early books of the Old Testament. But then um, as you see the story unfolding in the Old Testament, and I want to just reflect on this for a moment with you, Paul, mm-hmm. the story of the Old Testament repeatedly is God's people like stumbling and rebelling and failing. And, and you see just this over and over, they've been, they've been called as God's people. They've been gifted his presence, whether that's the, uh, the tabernacle um, as they're wandering in the wilderness, the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, earlier on, um, there was, you know, the Ark of the Covenant is is where God's presence is. It mm-hmm. ends up in the temple in the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. Um, they have God with them. He fights the battles for them. He calls them to obedience and he gives them his laws and tells them how to live. And they like compete com- repeatedly are hard hearted, yes. hard headed, stiff necked. There you go. <laughs> you <Jeez>. know, <laughs> it's like in every way they. Yeah. Um, they just continue to fail. And then the prophets come in and say, okay, um, God's still good on his promise. Mm-hmm. 
but he's got to do something. He's going to do something deeper, something different. So let's, I mean, just reflect with me a little bit on like that story of the Old Testament. Um, What happens with God's people um, throughout the story? Well, one thing I'll fast forward way into uh, both the exile and even after the exile, the horrible tragedy is Israel actually ended up doing worse than the people that is placed in in the um, conquest during the book of Joshua. So they went, I I won't even go into the graphics. You can read it. It's rated R, but if you want to read about (laughs) what they did to mimic the like sacrificing a Molech and the the debauchery and the horrible things that went on even while Moses is up on the mountain on Mount Sinai getting the Ten Commandments they were reveling at the bottom of the mountain you watch the Ten Commandments from 1950 something with Cecil B. DeMille uh, (laughs) which is a rated G version but it's still pretty horrifying Uh, one word Brent that I love to underline or circle when I read through the Pentateuch every year is remember because one of the ways that they were stiff necked and stubborn is that they continually forgot the commandments of the Lord. Well, look at that. Even Adam and Eve, back to Genesis 3, uh, they forgot yep. that he said, don't touch that tree. Or or as as the New Testament might say, they willingly ignored it. They're willingly ignorant. That was what Second uh, Peter talks about when they're yep. willingly ignorant of God's promises and God's plan for us. So uh, th- that is something that I don't say with any anti-Semitism at all. I love the Jewish people, but they are indicative of the human heart, not merely the Israeli heart or the Jewish heart from 3,000 years ago, but we all need continually reminder and we need the yeah. spirit to indwell us because by some miraculous divine will, it's Jesus working through us as we dare to act like uh, the Lord because we can't do it. We can't muster up goodness on our own. We have to follow him, but that means being plugged into the vine. Yep. I am divine. You are deep branches. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? One way I think about this is I had somebody ask me this maybe six months or a year ago. They just came up to me on a Sunday morning after the service and they said, how come the, you look at the Old Testament, how come the Israelites are just rebellious and failing all the time? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like they, they had all the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is it about that reality? And like, as we were discussing it, this person was even like reflecting back some of the things we were talking about. And they said, I think I'm realizing that the key difference between the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people of God is on this side of the cross, you have the perfect and final atonement and sacrifice through Jesus that washes us clean and makes us sanctified. Um, that our new status before God is holy, mm-hmm. but that also the Holy Spirit regenerates us in our inner being. And 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 this person looked at me and they're like, oh, yes. we have the Holy Spirit in us, mm-hmm. indwelling in indwelling us, not just us. coming, like in the Old Testament, a lot of times people try to understand the difference between like the Holy Spirit's work in the Old and New Testament. And in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is at work, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit is at work for certain moments of time. Yes for certain events or for certain purposes on certain people. And it's like the scriptures will say something like, and the Holy spirit came upon Mm so-and-so for this task. And then they would go do that task. And it's not a permanent indwelling. It's not like you are now a temple as the new Testament says, we're now a temple of God's spirit. Um, And so you look at the old Testament people of God and you say, well, here's people who, yeah, they had every, every opportunity. They didn't have the spirit of God indwelling in them with a new heart, like something mm-hmm. changed, something different transformed in an, in their inner being. So, you know, uh, that points ahead. And the prop, this is where the prophets get to is you see this very clearly in the prophets and the new Testament's new Testament points right back to the prophets that there is a need for deeper transformation. 
Like if, if you read the prophets and you say the one thing that becomes abundantly clear is that the prophets reflect on the state of God's people at that moment, you know, yep. hundreds of years before Christ. Yes. And they say, wow, something, something's off. Like something's, something deeper needs to change here. Mm-hmm. And one of the main passages to go to, to understand that is, is Ezekiel 36. Mm-hmm. And I just want to take a moment and read from Ezekiel 36 verses 24 through verse 29, at least the beginning of 29, and let you hear some of these words for yourself. So in Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel is speaking about the restoration of God's people. And ultimately in his, in the immediate context, he's thinking about theocratic Israel at this time. Um, But we know that the prophets point ahead to a grander and more perfect climax of that fulfillment in Jesus and in God's people in uh, the kingdom of God and the new heavens and new earth. Mm -hmm. So listen to these words that the prophets point to that deeper transformation. Ezekiel 36, verse 24 and following. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors and you will be my people and I will be your God. Amen. And I will save you from all your uncleanness. Excellent. What I love about that mm-hmm. is it's so clear we need to be saved from our sin. Absolutely. <laughs> and that God reaches out and plucks us out of that darkness and curse of our sin and the willful disobedience that we have. And he changes and transforms us. Now, if you remember our previous episodes, we talked about three main things. And what were they? Do you remember the three Ps? Oh, yes. People, presence, and place. Yes. So in this passage, we see the same three. We see God will gather his people again. We see that, and, and from all the nations, he, he yeah. gathers us from the nations mm-hmm. and, and fast forward to the New Testament. That's what Jesus describes. And the, especially the book of Revelation says it's people from every people, every language, every tribe, every nation, every tongue mm-hmm. uh, coming into the kingdom of God. But it's gathering his people again. I will be with them. He says that I will be their God. They'll be my people. God's presence is with them. And then he'll restore them to the land. And again, the, the climactic sort of fulfillment of that is the the perfection of God's kingdom as Jesus comes to remake the entire cosmos to purify from sin and evil and make a new heavens and new earth in which we inhabit with God in, in his presence forever. Yes. The key difference in this passage that points to head to the New Testament and the fulfillment in Jesus is that we need a new heart. Yes. We need a new spirit in us. We need the spirit of God in us and we need to be cleansed from sin. And this, this is one of those fundamental passages that says, um, this is what's coming with mm-hmm. the Messiah. Amen. Yeah. Prepositions matter. I've heard it said, Brad, yes. that in the old Testament, the Holy spirit would land on people, but in the new Testament, because of Jesus and the propitiation of his blood on the cross, uh, uh paying for our sins, the Holy Spirit can now dwell in us. Yes. We're cleansed of our sin from Jesus because of Jesus' blood. And now the Spirit has a clear way to go to that Holy of Holies, which is now in my heart. And I'm I am merely one cell in the body of Christ. So it's a wonderful thing. And also let me call attention to the wonderful parallel passage.
passage, to, uh, Ezekiel 36, that's Jeremiah 31. Yeah. Right there also, he talks about yes. the new covenant, which we can look forward to, and they both prophesied Jesus, yes. and which he did at the Last Supper, otherwise known as Pesach, the Passover of his 12 disciples in A.D. 30 or so. Yeah. And throughout the New Testament, you see these themes coming out. One, the one that occurs to me, just as you said that, if we talk about having a new heart, being regen, like the theological term is regeneration. Yes. It's that uh, we believe that in the gospel, that God reaches out and he initiates that regeneration by the spirit, that he makes you a new creation from your inner being, from your heart, changes your heart. Yes. And that that being born again, that regenerating work, then works its way from the inside out to have your entire life come into alignment with God as you're sanctified, as you're mm -hmm. you sanctified and washed clean, but then continually sanctified in, in, as everything comes in uh, surrender to Jesus. Well, uh, right as Jesus died, you talk about the perfect atoning sacrifice, mm -hmm. him being our high priest, making the way for us to be washed clean permanently and to be indwelled with his spirit, that when Jesus takes his last breath and mm -hmm. dies, mm -hmm the temple curtain ah, is torn in two. A 60-foot curtain. 60-foot. Oh, yeah. I know. 12 inches thick, right? It's yes. really thick. And the what that curtain symbolized, or what that curtain, what the barrier was there, is behind that curtain of the innermost room, the holy of holies yes. of the temple, is where the presence of God is in a cube-shaped inner room mm -hmm. that symbolizes the perfection of God's presence yes. with his people. And now the temple curtain is torn when Jesus What direction? Dies. Top to bottom. Yep. Top to bottom. Ooh, God to man. That's the direction Isn't he it comes great? out and reaches and saves us, people. That's exciting. I know. I just love it, too. <laughs> and so the, the temple curtain story, and what I love about that is the symbol of there is now perfect, final, and free access to God's presence when you trust in Christ because you have been washed by his blood and made clean. Praise but God. But also, it's that the presence of God is no longer needing to be locked in that inner room. Like, that's the only place that God God's presence is with his people. Yes. God's presence now is like breaking out of that place to like by the spirit of God indwelling in us, all of his people. And so now, um, when you, wherever you go, whatever situation you're in, you, dear brother or sister in Christ, have you are a temple of God's Holy Spirit. You have his presence in you as you're like wherever you are That's in whatever right. circumstance. And it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the redemption we have. In as much as the Holy of Holies was square shaped, as you said, we now quite literally cannot put God in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He's no longer in the box of the Holy of Holies. He <laughs> is in us, and we are ambassadors yeah. everywhere we go, every second of our lives, from regeneration to death. Yeah, it's just wonderful. I know that we were, we were talking about uh, a few moments ago before we started recording Psalm 24. Yes. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that psalm? And like, what's the emphasis? of? It's another passage in the Old Testament that talks about this reality. Yeah, well, it starts verse one right away. The earth is, this is ESV, by the way. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell therein. And he talks about he founded it upon the seas. But down to verse four, uh, actually verse Two, verse three, excuse me. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who can stand in his holy place? There we go, the holy of holies again, the temple on Mount Zion. Verse four of, of Psalm 24. 
he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that reminds me of a Sarah Groves song because Sarah Groves often has a wonderful uh, way to incorporate scripture into her singing, like John Michael Tabot, like Marty Getz, like Keith Green, many people that sing the Psalms. And that comes to my mind as one of her songs. And then down to verse eight, I got to plug on this because it is for <laughs> classical music fans. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. That is a Messiah song. Mm -hmm. All four Sundays of Advent, uh, I listen to the Messiah in my home, and and I love that, and probably Christmas Day as well. I can't get enough of the Messiah, and George Frederick Handel wrote that right from Scripture uh, with his uh, lyricist. I forget his name, but but George put it to music, and uh, it's it's amazing when we can see these truths not only dramatized through music, but it's theologically true that if you have a clean hands and a pure heart, verse 4, we can ascend the, the hill of the Lord, and and then we can be the one to triumph the Lord of glory, the King of glory, and be his ambassadors as citizens of his kingdom. And again, as I'll say almost every episode, bride, we are the bride of Christ as well, relationally pure, and we're waiting for that wedding day of the wedding supper of the Lamb. Yes, yes. And, and I love that psalm, too, because it's a messianic psalm. It points mm-hmm. ahead to what the, the king who's coming. But it, I just love how it describes how we need to be washed clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, it reminds me of, of Hebrews chapter 10. So here's another yes. passage to encourage you, dear brothers and sisters who are listening. Yes. Hebrews 10 is really the culmination. It's really the, it's one of the best descriptors of the atoning work of Jesus and how he has washed us clean, given us a new heart, the new birth that we have in him, that we can be uh, have a new status before God as holy because of what he has done. And it's really the basis of spiritual, trans- uh, spiritual formation. Really, the theme of the last few episodes has been like getting ourselves acquainted with the need for deeper transformation, like being spiritually formed. We've talked about heart, soul, mind, and strength. We've mm-hmm. talked about being God's people and God's with God's presence in his place. Mm-hmm. And this passage describes again the uh, the promise that comes to pass through Jesus. And I just want to read Hebrews 10, starting in verse 15. And it really um, gives us a, a quote from Jeremiah 31, which we just mentioned there a few moments ago. Hebrews 10, verse 15 and following says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the temple sacrifices, and now okay. we have it perfectly through Jesus. Mm-hmm. But here's the encouragement to persevere, dear friends. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, mm-hmm. by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Mm -hmm. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. That's like a 
beautiful call to be a gospel-centered church, yes. like a church that is so focused on the reality that I am a new creation in Christ, and it's only by his blood, and he has opened a new way that I get to be in God's presence. But then as we see the day approaching, which is you know the day of Christ's return, <laughs> that we hold unswervingly to our faith, we encourage one another, and we spur one another on because we have been washed clean of our sin and we don't live in the guilt and shame of it anymore. Yes, that's amazing. And I I hearken back to episode seven. If you didn't hear it, go back and listen to episode seven. Deb Hanna was our guest about prayer, and we talked in that episode about the need for corporate prayer, not merely individual prayer. And here, look at this. The author of Hebrews, uh, I I call it three heads of lettuce. (laughs) Let us draw near, uh, ESV, let us hold fast, and let us consider. And what is that? Let us. That's that's a command, but it's also an invitation of a plural uh, together. It's the first person plural. Plural pronoun, right? Yes. Let us do this together. And and that verse 25, I think, was a pretty popular verse among a lot of churches in 2020 that were chomping at the bit to reopen. Let us, uh, what does it say to say it again, ESV, let us not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. Here's my editorial comment about that. If you are listening to this and you have not returned to a local body of believers since yeah. the pandemic, please find a church. Don't let past hurts and don't let past convenience conveniences say that you no longer need to meet in person. We need the body of Christ in person, face-to-face. I would say not just one day a week for an hour or two, but be in each other's lives. And so whatever that means for you, I'm not talking moral relativism, but I'm talking about each individual person is unique, but you are called to be in fellowship. Read Hebrews 10 and be encouraged, as Brent said, and ties together with the Old Testament as the entire book of Hebrews does. Yes, yes, I will add my commendation to that. (laughs) Yeah, love and love it. You know, the value of us meeting together because it is corporate. Uh, Mm -hmm. We are a people of God. I'm not... I'm not merely the person of God, right? It's not just singular. We are collective uh, part of God's family. Um, As we come to faith, as God cares about us individually, making me and washing me clean, washing you clean, Mm -hmm. and, and, and Christ died for you and for you and for you, but we gather together as his people and as his family. And, and what I want to just like land here with is reflecting on how the promises come to pass through Jesus. We see it very clearly in Hebrews 10. Yes. of this people presence in place. We've been describing it over the last few episodes, that this is the trajectory of the scriptures in terms of redemption, that the church is the new people of God, the bride of Christ, God's household, and that it's only through Jesus that we, he being the head of the body, that we are a people. Mm-hmm. So you need to be in Christ, yes. a new creation. Mm-hmm. We have his presence because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He's washed us clean, made us a temple of his spirit, And so we have God's very presence in us and among us in the church. And then we are God's place. Like the future, not only our our future in the new heavens and new earth is the perfection of that reality, but we in the church are living today as a signpost to that future and a foretaste of that future. Like we get to taste ahead of time what it feels like to come in reconciliation in our relationships, to come into communion with God, to know God's presence and his mm-hmm. peace and his rest, to have our uh, guilty and shameful consciences forgiven and washed clean, mm-hmm. and so that we can walk in the freedom of Christ. We have the Spirit as a down payment and a, a deposit of that reality in the future. The, the foretaste and signpost of the coming kingdom is us living 
today as God's ambassadors for his glory. So I just love how these promises come to pass through Jesus. And we see the the goal is that you have a new heart in Jesus. And that's really the, the center of the gospel. Yes. And we I, I just want to give another plug for the, the whole body of podcast work we are endeavoring to do here in 2022 and now 2023. Our guests are designed to have a variety of perspectives. And look back to episode six when Tiffany Newharth was our guest. She founded Rise Up Recovery. And uh, and, and coming up, you're going to hear a testimony from Isaiah Langenfeld. But uh, we uh, there's so much diversity within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Be encouraged that we, we want you all to run the race set before you in 2023 for the Lord's glory. Do not be atrophying your muscles, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And also be in the Bible. Understand that we are in part of this redemptive history that is very exciting. And the more you get to know this King of glory, as we talked about in Psalm 24, and the more you know what it's like to have a regenerate heart and you're empowered to act with Jesus with skin on, as one of my friends used to say when I was a young adult. Uh, that is makes the Christian life vibrant. It's not some stuffy religion that's merely a set of rules. It's a living, vibrant relationship, first with Almighty God, second with our own self-concept as a renewed creation, and third with the people around us in the body of Christ and loving our family and our wives and our husbands and others as Christ loves us. All right, we have a guest with us now, Isaiah Langenfeld who has been coming to New Life and is a member here uh, for the last couple years with your wife, Jamie, and then your three young boys that uh, have, have been tagging along, and they are just wonderful to see a couple of them running around <laughs> around church on Sundays. Uh, just love having your family here. Um, well, we've been talking in this episode about the new birth, about spiritual formation, about how God gives us a new heart. And i just love to hear a little bit about your story, your testimony. Like, what has God done to give you uh, a new heart in Jesus? Yeah, thanks, Brent. Yeah, um, it's been great to be a part of New Life and and uh, just kind of put roots down here, and uh, been a, it's been a great experience so far. Yeah, so to talk about a little bit what God has done in my life, mm-hmm. um, I I'm from Hastings, so I grew up in the context of uh, small town, um, faithful family. Um, uh, a large part of my story is just kind of my upbringing. So it kind of starts with being yeah. born in the 1900s, 1993. Wow. Yes. The 1900s. <laughs> Anyone listening born after 2000s. I know that sounds like forever ago, but, um, yeah, born and raised in, in Hastings. My parents were 16 when I was born. And, um, um wow. so I ended up, um, living with my grandparents, with my mom. Mm. My dad was kind of in and out of the picture, um, kind of like in every other Sunday kind of thing. So he was kind of away. But my time with my grandparents was instrumental as far as um, talking about uh, having a father while being fatherless, kind of. And also um, having a grandmother who I would describe as an evangelical Catholic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, in this time, you know, um, growing up with my grandparents, they were, they were kind of, uh, I think with a lot of people probably around this area is mm. having family ties to the Catholic church, huge mm. building, a lot of people around the area going. Yeah. And, uh, uh that was kind of, uh, my family's thing too. Their, their families all went. And so, um, that's kind of my introduction to faith was attending mass with my grand grandparents. Um, but I'll say that 
that wasn't so much the emphasis. It yeah. was being in the presence of my grandmother, who was like my first discipler, uh. someone who took the time and put in the effort and and sowed the seeds of faith mm. and um, would read these bedtime stories, these um, Bible land adventure stories, yeah. and um, would just you know pray with me every night. Mm. And, um, I would, I would describe the way that God has changed me kind of in phases. So Mm. we talk about, you know, there's Paul, Paul, who was Saul and then changed to Paul. Um, but I also think of Peter who, um, was called to faith, um, but has this moment as Jesus is being, um, questioned in the synagogue and he kind of renounces Jesus, but then he's redeemed and and he goes on and he's so insightful in in his later writings. But, um, I think there was some development in these phases that, um, um, God used. And this was one of them, uh, with one of these moments where my grandma just came and told me that I could pray for God to be present in my life. Mm. And, uh, it might sound a little bit more charismatic, but I remember just praying that. Yeah. And this overwhelming sense of God's presence came in my life. And, uh, I can't say that someone sat down and told me the gospel (laughs) that Uh I need to repent of my sins, but God showed up. Yeah. And, and the way, why I think that's so important for that moment is because it anchored me despite my ongoing struggles, despite, um, you know, any, any other thing that you know, a young child and teenager would wrestle with, it was, it had me hooked. And so, um, that really influenced me because as I, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis's quote where, uh, we look at all things because of God, who's like the sun, because by we see all things. And that's my own paraphrase, but, um, that had me hooked. And so as I grew up, um, there was a deep development or, um, connection to the church. Eventually yeah. my mom and I, we, um, we kind of moved around different churches and yeah. uh, around the Metro area, but we ended up back in Hastings, um, yeah. at, at another church, Christ family church. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the fuel to the flame. Uh, it kind of became just kind yeah. of being the, um, poster boy of, of being in youth group and just sure. attending everything <laughs> that I could. Yeah. And during that time, uh, you know, I would say, you know, just, was involved with everything. And I don't yep. know if I understood like certain things, but I had this pattern and habit of going to church. And so that kept going. Yeah. Um, I would really say the battle of the heart took place from elementary through, yeah. um, like right before high school. Okay. Um, kind of random, but I have a background in dance. So I used to really? be a competitive. It's too bad. This is a podcast <laughs> and not a YouTube channel. <laughs> I, it, we all have to get video later, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so I have a background in dance and in, in, in hip hop, and the way I got into that, I um, watched uh, a music video by the musician Usher. Okay, <laughs> a yep. popular song came out, and I just thought his showmanship and his influence from Michael Jackson was super cool. Hmm. So I would go down yep. and just start dancing, uh, and I decided to you know enter a talent show, Hastings Rivertown Days, and no uh, way, just put myself out there. No formal <laughs> training, just did it, and. Uh, I realized that I got attention from that. Mm. I realized that um, there was like an acceptance from that. Mm. And it became something that made me connected to certain people and it made me feel really good. So like fifth grade through eighth grade, I took every advantage to Mm. um, use that to try to be known. Yeah. So uh, middle school dances were everything for me. 
probably for different reasons than most others, <laughs> because one, um, like I would know the DJ and he, he didn't, I didn't ask him to do this, but he would like give me like a center stage to like go and perform and do like a routine wow. as I got to do this. Yep. So like, like through this, it was, it was so good in the moment. So good to, um, uh, you know, kind of living on a high of, of people wanting to like see, Oh, that's, I say he's going to dance again. And, um, just knowing that, you know, it's, it, at the end of it, you would have to think of, okay, like what could I do more? Like, how could I be more impressive? Oh, how no. could I keep this high? Um, because the reality was like afterwards you go into normal life, you go to school, you go yeah. into the normal yeah. clicks and, and, and it felt like a low, it felt like a crash, yeah. so to speak. And that was a huge battle because, um, my heart wanted to be liked. Mm. Um, and that played out in different ways, just with my friends and, and just trying to get to yep. know people and even my perception of people. Yeah. But this reality of like that at the core of it was coming from this place of performance Yep. and like really liking that feeling from it. Yep. And the low of it just made me realize the, cor- or, uh, the bankruptness of it because yeah. how could you ever keep trying to outperform yourself? Yep. How could you ever seek that higher mountain of... Yep. acceptance. And, um, I don't think there was ever, I mean, it was kind of a development before I kind of got yep. out of that, but I would say that kind of the next phase of how God kind of helped shape that came like as I entered high school. Yep. Um, so I was involved with a, a church, um, Christ family, yep. and then, um, young life came to town mm-hmm. and, uh, Young Life came and I had a mentor who kind of continued to shape and, and help guide me and, and yep. know the Lord. Um, but uh, during that time, I, I had this mentor who was kind of starting Young Life. Um, when I entered the my sophomore year, um, my dad had been in and out of my life. And I remember one, one particular moment where... Um, the Lord kind of that second, that second phase of where the Lord shaped my heart was um, kind of in a more extreme way playing off of that, that bankruptcy of yeah. performance. How do you, how do you get rid of like any expectations, worldly expectations of, of acceptance, um, which is humility in one sense. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, one morning, uh, as I'm, um, at high school, uh, at my school, I'm at my locker, I'm reading my Bible. Um, I kind of got bored. <laughs> so I wanted to read something new. So I opened up to the book of Job. And I read the first three chapters of Job uh-huh. and, and I read about the part where he loses so much of his worldly possessions. He were yep. like wealth and family yep. and I mean, just so much health, and, everything. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, uh, at the, well, at the end of that section, he's, he continues to praise God, but even when his wife tells him to yep. curse God and die, yeah. he's, he, he blesses the name of the Lord. Yep. And, uh, I thought that was weird. I was like, wow, you just went through so much. Okay. The bell rung. I'm off to class. Yep. Three hours later, I'm um, I'm sitting in my gym class and I get called to the office. I get called down and I'm walking down to, I don't know if it's the principal that wants to see me or what, but yeah. I enter the office. There's someone crying. I don't know what's going on. I get brought into a room and there's my family. And it's um, my grandparents, my aunt, my mom, and my mom's, you know, crying. Yeah. And she looks at me and tells me, your dad's dead. And in wow. that moment, um, it's weird because you have a physical reaction, but yeah. mentally you're doing something else. So it was really weird. Yeah. 
in my mind, well, physically I broke, like fell and crying and, and whatnot. But in my mind, I was just praying. I was just talking to the Lord, thinking about what I read that morning. Yeah. Thinking about the providence of, of God in that moment, yeah. showing me his sovereignty, his control, showing me his wow. um, utmost supremacy of, of all things, like yeah. in all things, like who, who's more, what more of a foundation when something like that hits, could there be, yeah. um, except the Lord himself. Yeah. And that was my, that was my comfort right then and there. I thought like, you know, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know where my dad is, but yeah. God, I, I turned to you. I praise you. Yeah. Um, prayed for my dad. And, um, that moment just set my heart to, um, turn, turn away from performance, turn away from trying to get acceptance. Um, I think it later on, I, you know, further learned about the acceptance in the Lord more, yep. but, um, in that moment, this was enough to get rid of, to get rid of anything yep. I was trying to pursue on my own. So, um, after that just had to, I, I quit dance. I quit anything mm. that was really, tied to that yeah, and really rethought how, what I wanted to do. And really that, that ended up just pursuing the Lord more. Yeah. Um, I think I was doing a lot of like true good church things, right. But, um, at the last kind of phase of kind of what God did in my heart to get me to where I am today was, um, choosing to be baptized. Yeah. Um, at the end of, I think it was August of 2011. So I had just graduated high school and I don't think like I had a clear, like, pathway leading up to baptism and it was kind of open. It was like open baptism with a sign-up sheet kind of mentioned, but then you could do it if you want. So I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't really know why because I thought, oh, I'm kind of doing enough in my church. I'm like a member. Um, But there seemed to be something of wanting more of God. Mm. And I think about the words I got to share during my baptism, which really was... I know I need more of Jesus. Like I need more of God. Yeah. And whether I had a perfect understanding of what was taking place, I know I wanted to be united with Christ. I know I wanted to be with him. And so I chose to be baptized and I didn't have really, you know, I would say my family is a Christian, but I didn't have a ton of discipleship happening in terms of making sure I understood what's taking place. But like Mm -hmm. the Lord was really my guidance in that, you know, yeah. it talks, the Psalms talk about God being a father to the fatherless. Yeah. And that has been so true as yeah. far as what shaped me through those different things. Yep. And ultimately has set me on a path, regardless of what I'm doing to want to share my joy that I found in God with others. Yep. And uh, that only starts with a new heart that yep. starts with some of those decisions and doing it because of the Lord, not because of others. And so, yep. um, you know, John Piper has a quote, you know, if you want to live, if you live gladly to make others glad in God, you know, your risk will be high, your hardships will be many, but your joy will be full. And that's really, that's been the direction ever since. And so, um, a lot more to it, but that sums up with where I've been and where I'm going and what God's done in my heart. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. It's, it's fun to listen and see God's sovereign hand in all these various phases and things that you've been describing. You know, the family he put you in with your grandmother, with various other relationships, with the hardship and the, or the, 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 your dad passing away and um, just all of the, the, the ways that he has formed and shaped you through those things. But the consistent thing is that he, it's like, I can see God reaching out and 
plucking you out of <laughs> like <laughs> darkness or like a, a path that's just leading towards performance and like wanting to have people think it, it do something about you, but um, bringing you along a path where he's he's uh, he's like chiseled away or like removed that heart of stone mm-hmm. and given you heart of flesh as you know the the prophets describe um, that is really soft towards the things of God and it's like he's brought his presence near redeemed you and like given you a completely different hope and joy. And like, that's cause it's because of the new heart that's there and like mm-hmm. the presence of the spirit. So thanks for sharing all of that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's what's coming up next on our podcast. Um, we have been walking through biblical foundations as the last number of episodes. We've, we've looked at the story of the scriptures and to see the story of creation to new creation, the story of redemption and how God wants to do a transforming work in our hearts to make us a new creation in Christ. And then as we live in community with others uh, in the church, that our entire life, our whole, our whole life discipleship comes in alignment with God in our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So here's what we're going to do over the next handful of episodes is turn a corner to talk in much more detail about spiritual formation. And we're specifically going to do some cultural reflection, like what's it like to live in the post-Christian world in the late modern times that we live? What pressures do we face? What cultural values are we pushing against? And and in what ways does the world um, potentially counterform us, like away from from what it means to follow God and how we need to be really deliberate about how we walk in, in faithfulness today? So we're going to do some of that reflecting. And then we're also going to talk about some uh, biblical priorities for spiritual formation and how we as a church can embody that as we move forward in our disciple-making initiatives. It's a wrap on episode nine of Deepening Roots and Growing Branches. And just to review, we had a lot of alliteration today. We reviewed the promises to the patriarchs and the prophets with the people in the presence and the place of God with Pastor Brent Compelin, Paul Cravens, the sound engineer, and Paul Arnabrig, your host. We hope you stick with us through the next turning of the corner in this wonderful adventure of exploring further the theology of why we do things at New Life Church and the hope of making things even more vibrant as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. Have a great day and look forward to hearing from us next time.